It's March 15, 2017, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and of course, startup scene. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. We're going to kick off today's show talking about a great new app, and we're delighted to have Hawaii Public Radio General Manager Jose Fajardo here in the studio to tell us about it. And then we'll explore the world of cryptocurrency and the concept of blockchain with Yip Yao Lim and James Wong. Uh, but first, of course, we want to welcome Jose to Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome, well, Jose. I'm happy to be here again with you guys. Always a yeah. great pleasure to have you in the studio. Now, Jose, you know, there has been uh, a mobile app for HPR for a while, but I noticed that uh, it looks a lot more snazzy. Yes. What, what happened? <laughs> well, yeah, so we, we did have a app, if you could call it an app, for Hawaii Public Radio for a long time. It was basically just a conduit for our streaming of mm-hmm. Hawaii Public Radio, HPR 1, HPR 2. So the only capacity that the old app had was to listen to the stream, a live stream of HPR 1, or you would scroll it over and listen to HPR 2. It was delightful in its simplicity. Yeah. <laughs> but, but now there's a whole but, lot more going But on. wait, there's more. <laughs> uh, so we started planning for the new introduction of the app uh, several months ago as we started planning uh, for the program realignment of Hawaii Public Radio that happened on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the last couple of months, we started you know, planning the the structure of the app and working with our app developer, uh, public media apps. Uh, we beta tested it with some of our staff members to make sure we had the right menu, the right uh, things that we wanted to have our listeners enjoy, and it made its debut on Valentine's Day when we when we, we when we launched the realignment of HPR. Mm-hmm. Now, how would you describe the difference between the old app and the new app? Oh my gosh, um, where, <laughs> do where, where do I where do I start? Right. <laughs> well, so so besides having the live stream because you still can stream HPR mm-hmm. one, HPR two. Uh, now you can go um, and you can choose between HPR 1 and HPR 2. On HPR 1, you have uh, one of the streamers is local news. And that allows our listeners, if they heard a story from one of our local news reporters mm-hmm. uh, and they want to go back to hear the story and read the script, they can click on the little block that has the title of the segment. Uh, if they want to hear some of the lo- our local talk programs like Bite Marks Cafe or The Body Show or The Conversation, they can go there, find it, listen to it. Uh, they, if we heard something on Morning Edition this morning or All Things Considered, they can go to the little block that has Morning Edition or All Things Considered, look at the program, find the, the segment they want to listen to, and immediately listen to that show. Uh, for music on HPR2, um, you can hear, you can find out about our local hosts. But the best part of about the HPR two and HPR one, we have local music guys, mm. is that we're using the software called Composer, and that allows our local music hosts to input their playlist live. Mm-hmm. And so, if you hear a song that's being played on HPR locally, you can go right to our app and see what's being played at that moment. The composer who's playing it, and and in some cases even press on it and go to a site where you can actually buy the piece. I love that kind of thing. Oh, I love it. Um, But wait, there's more. I would imagine (laughs) it I mean, uh, HPR has one of the greatest, in my humble opinion and personal opinion, news departments, um, and it's a great news app. It includes the content that's generated from the news department. Absolutely. That, you know, we're trying to position ourselves not just as a local music station, but also as the source for your local news coverage here in Hawaii. Um, and so not only making it available on air, which is our number one priority, but also making it available on other s- 
social media applications. Uh, and it's on our website. But now, you know, you could take this app wherever you go. Uh, and if you're talking to a friend at the water cooler, they say, I heard this on NPR, on HPR, and it's a morning edition story or a piece that you heard from one of our local reporters, you, right there on the, at, that, at that spot you can listen to it. And, and that's just incredible because then it allows you to explore more of the content of Hawaii Public Radio. And I think a lot of people hear things and you know they call those driveway moments yeah. when you don't get out of your car because the story is so good. But the next thing you want to do is share it. So let's say you hear a wonderful piece by Noe Tanigawa about a local art exhibit. Now when I not only can I revisit it and read it, I can share it with other people. Well, that's the cool thing about public radio in general, right, is that it's, it's a convener of... Of conversations, uh, and so you, so you're right. This is allows you to share that experience that you might have had at a driveway moment or through a story, uh, and share it with friends and and peers and colleagues. And it continues to um, to to expand beyond that. Uh, I I love the app. It's you know for us for me as a fundraiser. Uh, as the general manager of the station, when I'm out and about meeting with people, it's so easy for me to go say, go, go to your Apple store or go to Google Play and just type in HPR mm-hmm. and download the app. And right there at, the, at that moment, we can download it together and explore this app together. Uh, it has other many great features, too. Yeah, and well, Burton Lum and I were recently at the Capitol for a presentation for HVCA Awards. Uh, Hank Rogers, one of Hawaii's most noted uh, tech, tech entrepreneurs, was there. And the first thing out of his mouth is, hey, I just met Jose. And he gave me a full tour of the app. So your evangelism is very uh, well known. I know. Coming from Hank Rogers, that was incredible. Right there in his office, we downloaded the app. He got to play with it, and he gave us a thumbs up. So I was delighted to to see that. You mentioned as a fundraiser, is there a way through the app to support Hawaii Public Radio? I'm glad you asked. So (laughs) uh, uh, in the old days, uh, and that was just a couple of months ago, um, you had to actually just call HPR during the fund drive. Now there's a, a clearly marked donate button on the the upper right-hand corner of the app, that you press that button, Donate, and it gives you the opportunity to donate now, which takes you to a very easy-to-fill-out uh, form on, on your mobile device. By the way, this is for your phone, your iPad, um, any kind of device that you have, and it makes it really simple for you to make a contribution directly to HPR uh, right from your uh, from your smartphone or from your iPad or other, other sources. But it also, if you want, you could press another button that says, Call to make your donation. So if you're on your smartphone, you can just press that button and you get connected directly to HPR. And that's very important because, as you mentioned, the driveway moment, we know that a lot of our listeners enjoy Hawaii Public Radio in the car. And a lot of times they hear us during our fundraising time in the car. And we always remind them, wait till you get to a safe place and then call. Now it makes it easier for our listeners to make that call of support to mm-hmm. HPR. Now, you said it's available for uh, iOS as well as Android. But you have to search a little bit differently on one platform nope. versus nope. the other? It's it's both. HPR is that simple. You go to um, Apple Store, Google Play, and type in HPR. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow we, we're able to, to get just HPR or a, Hawaii Public Radio. You could also search for Hawaii Public Radio. Our new logo, which I love, by the way, we mm-hmm. have a new logo for HPR, will pop up. And you can download it. It works for iPhone uh, 4S, 5, 6, 6 Plus, iTouch. Uh, iPad Touch, iPad 2 and newer, iPad Mini, Android, uh, Kindle Fire, HD and newer. So So probably as long as you don't have a flip phone, not that there's anything wrong with that, you could probably get this app. Well, very last question, Jose. I mean, that sounds incredible, but Bert, Bert, how much would you pay? How much does this app cost? Okay, well, let me tell you how much I would pay. I would actually pay $1.99. 
Yeah, you know, um, I think people would be willing to pay for this app. And I know you guys are going to talk about uh, Bitcoins and and all that kind of funky currency (laughs) in the next segment. Uh, But it is absolutely free. And nothing these days is free. But this app is free. Fantastic. That's very good. Well, we want to thank you, Jose, for joining us. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Lip Yao Lim and James Wong. And we'll talk about the growing interest in blockchain. Don't go away. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Kaiser Permanente and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. I'm Stephen Dubner. On the next Freakonomics Radio, why are we still using cash? You're providing this vehicle that's facilitating tax evasion and crime and disease. So, is it time to go cashless? That's next time on Freakonomics Radio. Sunday morning at 11. Well, joining us now is uh, Lip Yao Lim and James Wong. Lip Yao is an associate professor in the Information and Computer Science Department over at the University of Hawaii. Meanwhile, James Wong is CEO and principal software engineer at Slickage Studios. And of course, since uh, blockchain technology took center stage in the introduction of Bitcoin, what is the opportunity it presents for financial transactions? We'll get to the bottom of that. James and Lip Yao, we want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you. Now, we want to start with a bit of a clarification because I think when we talk about blockchain and Bitcoin, people think, oh, okay, you know, like, are they the same? Are they, how are they interrelated? Lipiao, maybe you can uh, start off by maybe clarifying Bitcoin and blockchain. Okay, let me start you off. Um, Bitcoin is the digital currency. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the world's first digital currency. Mm-hmm. Um, and blockchain is the kind of the database technology that's behind Bitcoin. Um, with uh, with Bitcoins, you know, essentially what you have to do is you have to keep track of transactions. What does transaction mean? It means that I transfer X Bitcoins to you, Bert, mm-hmm. and then you transfer X Bitcoin to Ryan in order to pay for something maybe, mm-hmm. right? So in order to keep, keep track of how much Bitcoin you have, Essentially, the the system, the Bitcoin system, has to keep track of the entire history of transactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, transactions is, is the transfers. So I've heard a lot of people describe it as a ledger. And in the sense, though, I mean, the security and the, the beauty of blockchain uh, technology is that um, part of it is that this ledger is public and auditable by anybody. So you can confirm from any uh, other perspective that the transaction between Bert and I happened or that I transferred the money to you, Lipiao. Not that there are names attached, but that the transactions are legit and that you can follow it all the way through through the history of this specific currency uh, called Bitcoin. Uh, James, is there any other aspects of it that I think might, people might understand? Like, for example, Bitcoin isn't the only currency that uses a blockchain system. Um, Yeah, that's correct. Um, So let me take a step back and kind of explain to you guys my thoughts on this whole thing. Um, So the Bitcoin and blockchain uh, reference is obviously, you know, the blockchain kind of is the back end for how Bitcoin works. And I would say that um, there's a big 
uh, misconception that when people are talking about the blockchain, um, people think it's uh, something to do with this uh, distributed digital currency, where uh, it's more of an inspiration. Uh, it's more of a piece of software that can be applied to many different areas. Mm-hmm. What is? Can you maybe describe a little bit about the this idea of this ledger? I mean, how does the ledger actually work? I mean, is, is it? Uh, a common kind of uh, software that is implemented across the various applications that perhaps might use blockchain. Well, let me let me oh, take sure. a go at that. Yeah. Um, essentially, the, a blockchain, like I say, a blockchain is you can call it a, a ledger or you can call it a database. Essentially, you're keeping track of a list of transactions, a, a whole history of transactions. And the way it does this, um, that's that I think it's quite interesting and unique, is that it's a distributed peer-to-peer database or ledger, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Correct. And what that means is that um, the data, it's spread over multiple machines, multiple nodes. And mm-hmm. by that, I mean really, if you're running a piece of the Bitcoin software, you're running a peer node, it means you're storing a copy of the database. Oh, so it's not like it's all on, say, Amazon server or it's at this website, let's look up the ledger. Right. Anybody who's making a transaction has a copy of the ledger. But James, I mean, Bitcoin's been around for a number of years. How large of a ledger are we talking about for this one of the most popular cryptocurrencies? So for Bitcoin itself, the ledger is actually really big. Um, and when people look at that, it's like, oh, um, you know, I don't really want to be a node in this because it takes a lot of resources. And Bitcoin has their own way of incentivizing people to become nodes. Um, but I think in, in uh, regards to application of blockchain, we're actually looking at the technology of the blockchain and what it provides as a append-only database, meaning, meaning it's read-only and it's replicated and it's verifiable. And so there are a lot of different applications uh, for uh, business uh, it doesn't really have uh, much to do with cryptocurrency at all. Well, when so, you say append only, that's one thing that I think is key. Like if I had a uh, QuickBooks software or Excel spreadsheet, I'd be like, hmm, I kind of want to hide this. I'll just delete this row. But there's that is not even supported in the blockchain system. It right. can only be appended. Only right. Be so if you, if, you add or if you remove a row, then there would be a record that's added to the database that says you removed the row. Mm-hmm. That, that so, so Lipiao, in terms of implementation of, of blockchain, if you were to implement a version of blockchain, let's say uh, somebody in California wanted to implement something and they, they implemented blockchain, can we assume that blockchain blockchain is the same for both implementations? Uh, if you are using the same blockchain software, so if I'm using the if I'm using the coin uh, the Bitcoin blockchain, for example, mm-hmm. that particular piece of software, then yes, then I'm I'm speaking the Bitcoin protocol. So we we speak the same language, and if someone is running that same piece of software, yes, then then we we are both just nodes in the pe- in the peer to peer system. I think one of the things that's interesting about it is that it doesn't necessarily have to be currency. I mean, that's obviously the most clear application. The company I work for, Hoi Information Service, we're in real estate, real estate mm-hmm. data, and there are people trying to create a blockchain for real estate transactions. Mm-hmm. They're not storing funds or using it to buy and sell property. They're saying this could be the best way to keep track of all property transactions in a city or in a county. And I think that that's exciting for governments in terms of it being auditable and secure yeah. and things like that. And and James, from what I understand, you played a part in a bill currently making its way through the legislature here in Hawaii to explore the idea of how blockchain can be implemented for government. Right. So um, 
<clears throat> I have a friend um, in New York that's originally from here. His name is Bradley Chun. He's um, the person that originally he wanted to start this bill, and he asked me to help him. Um, he, first of all, he's looking for a way to move back home and get some work done here and, and uh, hopefully do some business in blockchain-based technologies. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of like how it started, and um, I would... I mean, I, I think it's a very practical application for government, and uh, especially what you said about um, uh, you know real estate assets, anything with records, uh, insurance, finance, uh, banks, you know, anything that has uh, uh, records that you want to keep for long term and verifiable uh, would be a great technology and great fit. So, so the bill that you're talking about is HB fourteen eighty one, and it actually got heard today in the. Uh, Committee, the Economic Development um, uh, Tourism and Technology uh, Committee, which is uh, chaired by Senator uh, Glenn Wakai. It actually passed, and I think they were very supportive and very interested uh, in this bill. What, I, what I'm interested in finding out is the bill talks about trying to create a working group to study the idea of the opportunities. Uh, James, what do you think? I mean, what is it that you would expect to see out of this working group? Right. So um, if you look up uh, applications of blockchain, um, there are very it's it's actually what I wanted to explain earlier was um, that Bitcoin and blockchain are looked at as very technical topics in computer science or technology in general. But uh, I'd like people to look at it in more of a a business standpoint in a more non-technical way. Um, So if you look at the current commercial offerings, um, you can can actually find it on various Wikipedia pages, uh, even Wikipedia pages about the blockchain itself. It shows uh, companies, uh, huge companies like like, uh, Microsoft and uh, Deloitte, uh, all different industries um, looking at these, uh, looking at blockchain technologies to uh, use in uh, future projects and and big big offerings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, in terms of uh, implementing a blockchain, uh, let's say, platform for government, can you perhaps speak to what that would involve? Okay, yes. Yeah. So again, blockchain, it's a peer-to-peer technology. That means that you need to have multiple machines or multiple parties with multiple machines running the same software. Mm-hmm. And really the key to the blockchain is that you have multiple independent, ideally independent nodes um, so to have a blockchain, you need multiple nodes. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the key, which means that different stakeholders in the in the ecosystem, if you will, will need to have to have to run their own uh, uh, blockchain nodes. Mm-hmm. Now I know again um, when we talk about blockchain as the underlying technology, a lot of people think immediately of. Bitcoin, of cryptocurrency, of the movement of assets. And it's fair to say that while it's great that this bill is moving forward to explore the idea of that underlying ledger public accountability technology, that a lot of people are concerned about Bitcoin because there are a lot of things swirling around it. People associate it sometimes with untoward transactions on the dark web, for example. And there are regulations or conflicts over regulations that um, sometimes make it hard to work with um, Bitcoin. I mean, James, I mean, certainly as someone who's worked with Bitcoin, you must have run into resistance from people who maybe just are either suspicious or even resistant to the idea of a cryptocurrency. Right. Uh, And to be fair, um, it is true. There's a lot of uh, misuse, I guess, uh, on the internet. Um, People do use Bitcoin for you know, shady things. 
right? Um, but but the, at the end of the day, uh, Bitcoin is around because of the technology that backs it, and that's the blockchain technology. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd like to say that uh, the blockchain is more of a tool that can be applied outside of Bitcoin. And the reason why Bitcoin is misconceived is actually one of the reasons I think is actually the naming of the currency itself, Bitcoin, because there's actually no coins involved at all, mm-hmm. right? So when you talk about Bitcoin uh, and one, what, is, what does one Bitcoin mean? It's actually implied by the records of the blockchain. So if you make a few transactions on a blockchain, you can infer how many coins you might have. So I think a lot of people have that misconception mm-hmm. and relate the two together. So if you take the technology that be, that's behind the blockchain and apply it to other things, it could mean a lot of great things for uh, many industries. Right, like people say encryption. It can be a tool that can protect civil rights, but it can also be mm-hmm. a tool that hides criminal activity. But the technology itself is not suspect. I certainly want. I do want to talk a little bit more, though, about the currency aspect of it. We're going to hold that thought. We're going to be back after this short break to continue our conversation with Lipiao Lim and James Wong about blockchain and cryptocurrency. You're listening to ByteMarks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Locations, Nohea Gallery, and Straub Clinic and Hospital. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Rosal. And if you're just joining us, we're talking about blockchain and cryptocurrency. And of course, uh, right before the break, we were talking about some of the maybe myths, misconceptions of uh, of Bitcoin. And James, you know, there is this sort of stigma, and we would like to maybe help dispel some of that. But one of the problems that recently occurred was the the um, one of the, the, the major sort of uh, transaction for Bitcoin was Coinbase, and Coinbase had to pull out of Hawaii for for reasons that you know I won't get into technically, but uh, it was because they didn't feel that they w- wanted to meet the standards, I guess, the, or the requirements that Hawaii put forth to be a financial transaction institution. So, tell us a little bit about Coinbase and why they're pulling out. Well, that's kind of a tough question. So we were actually one of the companies that uh, used them uh, quite a while ago, maybe mm-hmm. like three years, three years ago, and um, it it hasn't been very clear exactly why. Actually, um, however, I think a lot of it has to do with um, the fact that they have to explain. You, you have to explain to certain people how their system works. And um, especially when it when when they're working as an exchange, right? How does you know how does the exchange work with real money, and at what time does it actually get transacted? You know, like, there's a lot of details there, so I'm not exactly sure what the reasoning. My is. My understanding was the the DCCA's Department of Financial Institutions basically at a at an administrative policy level, not a law, not anything like that, but said we feel that to be confident in. Coinbase operating as a financial institution that they needed to keep in their uh, accounts mm-hmm. the 
currency equivalent. equivalent of anything that is held in Bitcoin. So if you had, if Bert, and I'm not going to say how much Bitcoin he has, but let's say Bert had $10 million <laughs> right, right, right. in Bitcoin in Coinbase. Coinbase needed to have $10 million in U.S. currency ready to go. In and, Hawaii. And they, in and, Hawaii. And they just felt that that was um, unten- untenable. And I know uh-huh. that that's still an ongoing conversation. Right. So does that um, put any s- sort of uh, cloud around the idea of, of, of uh uh, blockchain, uh, or they're totally unrelated. Uh, I would I wouldn't say it's completely unrelated, but the function of exchange to USD kind of uh, you know it, it kind of holds them to the fact that they have mm-hmm. the USD available for exchange. I mean that's that's pretty much a no brainer. So I think from for, a, a USD US dollar. So in terms yeah. of the uh, opportunity for Hawaii to continue to explore, let's say cryptocurrency, yeah. there may be some challenges. Lipyao, I mean, you're you're saying yes. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, so I, you know, I think that the blockchain technology is quite. It, it can be completely decoupled from from cryptocurrency. You can take blockchain technology and use it in, in different different sectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are efforts out there, like Hyperledger is one of the other open source. Um, it's a consortium that is trying to build um, these open source blockchain technology. And most of the major companies are are part of it, and they're trying to build blockchain technologies in order to be used in different sectors, like in healthcare, for example, in uh, contracts, and so on. So I I think the opportunities is there. I don't think this is tied to Bitcoin. But I think um, certainly the... I think what your what your company has done, James, and what other companies have tried to trying to do is is kind of to reduce that uh, feeling of unease and increasing the comfort with using uh, Bitcoin as a transaction. You know, uh, I know maybe two or three years ago, everyone was excited when someone used Bitcoin to buy a pizza downtown. Was that you? I mean, uh, people are trying to kind of. Uh, uh, I think it adva- might have been. <laughs> yeah, it might have been. Advance it and say, yeah. you know, we're using Bitcoin to to handle transactions and to pay for things here in Hawaii. Correct, yeah. Well, you know, the thing that's interesting is that uh, as much as we feel that there is an opportunity with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and, you know, the the opportunity that it presents, uh, there seems to be a fear of some of the the traditional financial institutions about dealing with cryptocurrencies. And uh, McKay Davis was uh, describing at the at the hearing today for the uh, uh, 1481 was that he actually opened up a bank account. I won't say what bank, but he opened up a bank account. His company was called Bitco- Hawaii Bitcoin LLC. And that bank, after about several months of having that account, closed his account for no reason. Because it had Bitcoin in the name? It, but because it had Bitcoin in the name. Now, that to me is really being, you know, making decisions based on some sort of uh, undefined fear. But it's good to know that there are efforts to, you know, make it more mainstream. We heard from our friend Russell, who's working on a company himself that he pitched at a at a, at a hackathon. He's trying to make a ga- uh, go of it. Wampum, I think, is the name mm-hmm. of that. So, Lipiao, I mean, you're, you're teaching class up at UH. Uh, uh, where can people go to where you would recommend them go to learn more about this topic? Well, you know, certainly there was there's a lot of videos on YouTube that hmm. explains Bitcoin and blockchain, um, especially at a sort of a layman's um, level. Um, if you want to sort of go deeper and look into the technical level, then you know, then you have to sort of go go read the technical documentation. Mm-hmm. If you're in, really into really math, into it, yes. <laughs> and James, uh, where can we keep up with some of the things that you're doing with this bill? Some of the stuff we're doing with this bill, I th- I think we'll, there's going to be more uh, discussion about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Currently, it's not like, 
you know, we don't we don't have documentation on it at the moment. But for for what we're doing with the working group, um, the idea is to come up with a way to uh, have uh, a way to figure have a way to figure out what we're gonna do with the blockchain technologies for. The local economy. Do you see maybe some uh, meetups or opportunities for further community discussion about the op- you know the the blockchain opportunity? Yeah, for sure. There's a, definitely a lot of local interest, um, like uh, McKay and what you mentioned earlier. Oh, we'll definitely get uh, Lip Yao out there to do some uh, uh, meetups. Absolutely. So we want to thank uh, Lip, Lip Yao. Well, of course, Lip Yao Yim is the associate professor over at the ICS department at UH, and of course, James Wong is the CEO. Over at Slickage, we want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. You can join us next week when we talk about the Purple Prize. And, of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. If you have any comments or suggestions, email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. You can find the HPR app in the Apple App Store or the Android Play Store. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And, of course, until next week, you stay safe, and we will see you on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. This you ain't-